worship you. Father, help us to, um, may that be our mind, may that be our heart, first and foremost, that we come to this place to, to worship you. Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to, to be in fellowship here together this morning. Father, I ask that we would just simply listen to your words, to what you give us today through your scriptures. Father, help us to gain understanding. Help us to gain uh, the understanding, Lord, that you give to help us live life, to understand who you are, and to live in obedience to who you are and what you give us to do. Father, I thank you for this time together. I pray, Lord, that you will be honored and glorified in all of it. And God, that we'll leave here today with a better understanding and a better understanding of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, good to see you all this morning. Um, boy, when Trey goes on vacation, he takes everybody, doesn't he? Um, I'm just kidding. We'll pick on him about that later. So how are you this morning? Oh, that was weak. One of y'all were doing well. Blessed. blessed. There you go. Hey, you're blessed. Anybody have a, a great week? Just something God showed you and you just want to say amen? Wow. Okay. Well, um, I either didn't hear you, and I have my hearing aid in, so that, that was pretty weak. Um, so anyway, we're in chapter 3 of Hebrews today. We may make it through the whole thing. I told my elders this morning that um, uh, God's given me some revelation. I, I think sometimes, um, and I don't know how to put this, uh, I don't know whether I don't leave enough for you to go and study and look at and look for. Uh, but I know that sermons has been long. Let, let me, I just, out of curiosity, I just want to hear this. Who would love a shorter sermon? Don't be ashamed. You're not going, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Okay. Well, we'll go two hours today. Suit you. We'll see. We'll see where God takes. So anyway, we're in Hebrews chapter three. I am going to start in verse one. We got through verse one last week. Um, I, I was, Share with my elders this morning if, if, like if I, if I came and picked up the Bible and somebody pointed out the scripture, what would I see in this passage of scripture? What, what would I see? What would I take away from? What would I understand? And so that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. So first of all, let's just read chapter three. We'll go back, break it down kind of verse by verse or two verses at a time. And, uh, and I pray that God give you insight, wisdom, and understanding of what this is. And, uh, before I get to reading this, I'll tell you uh, a scene again, and it just happened to come up on one of my feeds. Uh, we can never exhaust Scripture. If we read chapter 3 of Hebrews every Sunday for the next 45 Sundays, there's something we can dig out of it, something that we can see. So we're never going to exhaust Scripture. So what you... Uh, if you're sitting here, and I'm sure you don't, but if you're sitting here and you think you know all there is to know about chapter 3 of Hebrews, uh, you don't. Okay, so hopefully my prayer this morning that you can learn something new. Amen? Let's do this. Chapter 1, verse 3. I mean, chapter 3, verse 1. I'm already reading backwards. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him. Just as Moses served faithfully, when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, 
but the one who built everything is God. Verse 5, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths uh, God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. So verse 7, that is why the Holy Spirit says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. As Israel did when they were, when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. I was angry with them and, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it, or who was it, who, excuse me, who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, and hang on to that word throughout this message. Because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Can we pray? Father God, all honor and glory to you. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Now as we go into just simply discussing it, God, uh, lay your thought, your truth, your word upon our hearts and minds. Father, help uh, me Stay focused on you. May all words that come out of my mouth be of you and give you glory and honor. God, help me today to relay what you would say to us through this passage of Scripture. God, I thank you so much for loving us and taking care of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll start in verse 2. We we were kind of touching on it a little bit last week. But verse 2 is talking about consider Jesus... Consider Jesus as faithful in his duties to before his father. We said this last week. Jesus has always been faithful to his father. Jesus has never failed you, right? If you are God's child, if you come to Jesus Christ through, uh, come to God through Jesus Christ, he has never, he's always been faithful. He's never failed you, right? Now we can say, my circumstances hasn't always been ideal. And that's true. But you have to remember, Jesus said, hey, life ain't going to be perfect, right? 
Didn't he warn us? Didn't he tell us that there would always be troubles? There, there was going to be troubles. Thing about it is what Jesus did promise us is that as his child, he would lead God and direct and help us through those troubles. He would give us the right uh, view of how to approach and how to deal with and how to do um the dealing with our troubles and circumstances in a way that is honoring to God and beneficial for me and you. Every time we go through circumstances that are hard and difficult and we lean upon God and we trust God, there's always a bringing through that God does and there's always a learning. We grow. We grow, right? We, we, you know, there's something like, you know what I used to didn't know? Now I know what I used to do. I no longer do. I do that differently. I never forget, you know, um, my view of circumstances and just different people and, and, and all that was, was so distorted and so just wrong, right? That should have said right, right after that. Maybe I should have, I said wrong slash right. Okay, there we go. That's the way I wanted to present it. So, so it's so true. You know, Godly. So, God, Jesus has always been faithful. And the reason I wanted to harp on that just a little bit is because He's always going to be faithful in every circumstance we ever face. He's always going to be faithful. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. He'll give us exactly what we need, when we need it, how we need it, and watch us and walk us through what we're in. I was having a discussion this morning, if you don't mind me sharing just, just a little bit. We were talking a little bit about God being honored in all that he does. And, uh, and sometimes we can't figure it out. I don't know. I've, I've had a, a family member or probably more than that really die of cancer. And that's a painful thing to watch. And, and it hurts. And, and you, you, you just don't know what to do and don't know, you know, but, but the question was, I think presented, I asked, but anyway, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, what, what good? Or what, how is this going to make a difference at all? If you've had a family member that died of cancer, that loved Jesus Christ, that was born again, that belonged to God, uh, you're probably still remembering the things they told you, the things they said. You're remembering things that they, they did for the glory of God. You, you remember them, right? Their life had impact. Y'all have heard me, not hundreds, but 40s of times. I don't know. Y'all have heard me. Y'all have heard me a lot talk about Miss Sue Price, who had ovarian cancer. I'd never seen a frown on this lady's face. And I honestly believe it was because of the power of Jesus Christ. And I remember the story her husband told us that there was about three hospice nurses around her, and uh, they were weeping and crying because they got to know Miss Sue. And if you ever got to know Miss Sue, like wow, Miss Sue was just awesome. And so they got to know Miss Sue, and 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 uh they were crying, and she looked up, and she said, Hey, hey, don't y'all cry for me. You know, I'll, I'll quote a, a, a something from a movie. I think it was Fried Green Tomatoes, I believe it was. If you've never seen that, it's a pretty awesome movie. Anyway, I enjoyed it. Um, but but um, I forgot uh, the lady that played the part of Izzy or Iggy or whatever. But she said, she said, Hey, hey, don't we run? I'm, I'm at the jumping off place. I'm getting ready to walk through the door into eternity to be in the arms of Christ. She said, don't fret for me. Now listen, guys, that's a perspective of knowing Jesus is always faithful and having our hope in him. Because look, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna one day, everyone in this room, let me just put it in perspective for you. A hundred years from now, none of us, even the children, a hundred years from now, none of us, I'll guarantee you'll be sitting here. We're gonna be in eternity. 
It's why I come and preach the gospel. It's why we preach the gospel. It's because we want to tell people about the hope that is in Christ. He is always faithful. He will never fail you. And as Christians, we could say, and y'all amen, this is this true, but circumstances aren't always easy. Amen. amen. Is there ever been a circumstance that God didn't bring you through? Not yet, because you're sitting here. You're here. He brought you through it. He taught you something in it. I heard this, and this is kind of harsh, but it's true. It said sometimes for God to use you in the way that he made and designed you to make you, he has to crush you. That's hard. I know. That, that is, right? When I first began pastoring, I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to preach that or not. That's just kind of harsh, but it's true. And now that God has broken some things in me, now I can see what he means. Jesus is always, he is always faithful. He is faithful to the Father. He followed what the Father sent him to do. The first day he stepped out of glory onto the earth was his journey towards the cross of Calvary to complete the plan of God and redeem sinners. Purpose accomplished is what he did. That's what he did. So he's always been faithful to the Father. He's also been faithful to those who belong to him. He's always been faithful to those. Moses showed an amazing faithfulness in his ministry, but Jesus showed a perfect faithfulness. Perfect faithfulness. So don't miss that. So why does Jesus get more glory than Moses because he's deserving of it. That's why. These are some tough conversations you sometimes have. And I had one, you know, I talked last week about, uh, I had a, um, a lady who grew up in, tell me if I mispronounced this, but in Catholicism in the Catholic Church. And so uh, I had a lady and she, uh, oh man, just loved Miss Terry. She was so awesome. And so I had some conversations and um, uh, she was so blunt. She'd hit you in the face with a sledgehammer. Seriously. She'd say, well, why Jesus? And she you know, kind of presented that way, you know, and you just had to sit there and, and just get hit. And then just respond. She was so awesome. But she asked me one day, she said, I don't understand it. I said, y'all give Jesus all glory and all this. I said, how about Mary? I said, look, I highly respect Mary. Mary was awesome. Mary was the, G uh, the mother of Jesus. But she does not deserve the glory of Christ because he is Christ. So I, when I say these things like uh, Jesus was a more perfect or he was more perfect than Moses. I'm not disrespecting Moses. Moses was an awesome, awesome servant of God, but he was no Jesus. He was no Jesus. He was a man born into a sinful earth. It took a perfect sacrifice to forgive us of our sins, right? It had to be a perfect lamb of God, and Jesus was the perfect lamb of God. And so that puts him in the perfect place as the perfect high priest as the perfect one. Christ is perfect. There is no imperfection in him. And the reason there is no imperfection, I'm going to blow your mind once again, uh, it, the reason there is no imperfection in him is because there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's because it, Jesus is God wrapped in flesh and God is perfect. If God ain't perfect, we need to get up and go home right now. 
we're wasting our time. But I can assure you, God is perfect. He is perfect. So Jesus is perfect. He is perfect. So, verse 3, But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves far more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Take something beautiful home with you today. I guarantee there's, how many people we got in here? Let's just say 25 people maybe. I guarantee you there's 25 different DNAs in here. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we, we don't even, we don't even, you know, how many millions of people are on the face of the earth? And in Psalm 139, this is a beautiful passage of scripture. Go and read it and take joy in it. It says that God knitted us together in our mother's womb and he set our days before us before one was ever lived. God intentionally put you individually. He put you together as he chose to put you together. Beautiful picture. If God, if you ever say God didn't care about you, yeah, he did. He sewed you up. He sewed you together. He made you. He give you who you are. Um, I don't want to carry this too far because you can get carried away with it. Um, some people just have attitude, you know, and sometimes it gets out of line and out of check, but, you know, God gave them that. You wonder why some people are very humble. Some people are caring, giving, loving. God sewed you together. He He put these things in you. I just wanted to let you know that, that God made you. He is the builder of the house. And, and if God has drawn you to himself through Christ Jesus, you are a part of that household and Jesus is, 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 um, is the owner of God's house. Let's read this right here. Because God made everything. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a, as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, but Christ as the son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. I love saying this, and sometimes people, um, you know, we, we were talking about this this morning, but uh, I don't even know who told me this, but it's, it's stuck with me for a lot of years, um, that when you belong to Jesus Christ, you don't die. Now, hear me out. The Bible kind of describes our body as like a tent that houses who we really are. Does that make sense? That it houses who we really are. Now, one day, this tent's going to be deflated. They're going to stick it in a box, shove it in the ground. It's, it's just going to become warm food. I mean, that that's what it is. That might have been going too far because some of y'all, your face, yeah. Um, but you're no longer in this body. You're in the presence of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but regardless of how God decides to remove me from this earth, I have a hope. That one day, on a day, at a certain time, I will go to be with Christ. I will go to be with Christ. And I'm thankful 
that He is my high priest. I'm thankful that Jesus is faithful. I'm thankful that Jesus came to earth. I'm thankful that Jesus shed His blood so that, so that God could call me into a perfect relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. So now right after this, we got a little bit of warning because uh, if you go read the Bible, start wherever, but read the entire Bible. I, I challenge you to go read the Bible. Israel, you know, godly people and they were God's people and, 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 you know, but, but Israel, and I don't know about you, but Israel makes mistakes if you'll read the Old Testament. They make mistakes. A lot, they turn away from God. Sometimes I like to picture this way, and I don't mean any irreverence by this at all, but sometimes I, I, I kind of like to picture this. We're, we're, we're can be like little Israels. We turn away from God. We ignore what He says. Anybody in here ever been disobedient? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, boy. It happens, don't it? You ever had these words come out of your mouth? Ah, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. That's when you know that you've sinned. Let's call it what it is. Thank God for the gift of repentance where we can come and return to Him and that we can be forgiven. So here we go. Verse 7 starts on, what did the Spirit say? This is what He said. Verse 7 starts, "This that is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear my voice, I love that. He didn't say, if you hear my voice, which makes me think God is very intentional on speaking to people. It didn't say, if you hear my voice, like, oh, I was on the other side of a mountain, I didn't hear you. No. If you hear my voice, no. When you hear my voice, which means, hey, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to you. Now, verbally, I've never had that happen. But I tell you what I have had happen. I have been reading the Scriptures, and it was pretty loud. I've been reading the Scriptures, and I know that it was the Spirit of God that spoke to me and what He revealed to me. I know that. And what to say, if you want to hear God's voice, read the Bible. If you want to hear Him audibly, read it out loud. Okay? So, I know that God does speak. God never, how did I have it last week? God never buys a house and a piece of property and kind of just refurbishes it. He comes in, tears the whole thing down, strips it down to the bedrock, and then begins to build back you for His purpose and His glory. God brings newness, new life. So today, here, here, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. There was a rebellion. When they tested me in the wilderness, remember the 40-year journey they went on? When they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw miracles for 40 years. Let me expound on that a little bit. One of the most amazing, touching passages of Scripture in all of the Bible uh, is when God provides manna for His people. This is why it's so amazing. And this is why I, I would I would 
encourage you not to lose sight of this. This is why this is so encouraging. They were hungry. People have to eat, right? If you don't eat, you starve. If you starve, you die. You have to have food to eat, and God knows that. And God is the great... I hope I don't mess this up. I didn't take English in school very often. But but God was the great provisioner, which means He provided. God provided. Here's the beauty of this. And if we could ever get this in our heads and never crave more than what we need, ask this question before I paint this picture. Anybody ever had a get-together and you have food spoiled because there's just too much food? Anybody? I, yeah, we have. It's a shame. It really is. Food should always try to go feed somebody. Take it somewhere. Feed somebody. But anyway, food is full. So we have more than what we need. God knows what we need. So my point being, we need to trust that God knows what we need, when we need it, and how we need it, and where we need it. We just need to trust that. Here's the beauty of this picture. Listen to this. God provided manna, which was food, okay? Go go read your Bible study. God provided, and the beauty of it is, said he provided enough for that day. He fed them for that day. Can we relive tomorrow? Nope. Can we step into, uh, excuse me, can we relive yesterday? No. Can we step into tomorrow before tomorrow gets here? No. What, what portion do we live? Today. Right now. Today. That's all we have. All we have. The beauty of this picture, God says that God provided enough for them for that day they were fed and nourished. So my point being is this. God will nourish you for today. Well, what I do with yesterday and tomorrow? Leave it be. Should I pray about tomorrow? I, there's nothing wrong with praying about tomorrow and that God's wisdom, you know, there's nothing wrong about Don't live tomorrow because you ain't there yet. You can't live somewhere you ain't there. Okay? So tomorrow is tomorrow. In fact, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, because tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. Amen? So don't worry. Don't, don't focus on tomorrow. Jesus instructed us to focus on the kingdom of God, and he said everything else will fall into place. I wanted to lay that out because that's what God did with the manna. Everything fell into place. They were well fed. They were taken care of, and yet they grumbled. Well, he gave us Rice Krispie treats today instead of T-bones. You know why he might have done that? And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be irreverent, okay? Please, reason he probably did something like that is the Rice Krispie treats are what you needed. I'm going one more example, and then I promise I'll move on. Steak is good, eh? Steak is good. You don't need steak every day. Every once in a while, you need a little bit of lettuce. You need a little bit of vegetable, right? <laughs> okay, we'll talk after church. Anyway, um, you need a variety, and God knows that. So be thankful in what He's given us. Be thankful for that. Don't, don't complain. Don't complain. God knows even us in the 21st century, God is still the same God that provided manna in the desert. He's still just as powerful. And if He knew what they needed from day to day, He knows what you and I need from day to day, and He is faithful to supply it day to day. Get a new attitude about this if you don't, but rejoice in that. 
It will help you live this day out better. Don't go out of here and say, well, we can't even make plans about tomorrow. I did not say that. Make plans. How many people's got birthdays six months from now? Mine's actually only a few months. It's on November 3rd, just in case y'all want to know. So anyway, I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, but you'll plan a birthday gathering, right? Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. Always follow it up with, if the Lord's willing, we'll have a birthday party. If the Lord's willing. See, tomorrow is if the Lord's willing. His provision is for today. Don't lose sight of that. Sometimes the reason we can't enjoy today is because we're angry about yesterday or worried about tomorrow and we lose sight of what God's doing today. Don't miss the blessing for today. God's always doing something today. So he goes on, he tells them, you know, for 40 years, they saw miracles. I don't know about you, but the way I understand it, uh, um, manna fell out of the sky. That's pretty amazing. I, in my lifetime, never known it to rain bread. That's pretty amazing. So they saw miracles, and this wasn't just the only miracle. So verse 10 says, So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. Anybody here got any complaining children? Like you could feed them a bowl of sugar and they're still not happy. You know? And, and, and my kids, I raised mine old school. We were like this. This might sound bad. I, I don't know. But what my wife fixed, this is how it worked at my mom and dad's house. What my mom fixed, you ate. And you could push back and say, I don't like that. And daddy said, I don't care. That's what it is. Either you eat it or you go to bed hungry. That's the way it worked at my house. That's the way I raised my children. You know what I, I, I got? After a while of my middle son not eating greens, he decided to start eating greens. What I was trying to do is give him a balance, give him something good. Because the kid would eat cupcakes 24-7, right? Sure they would. Cupcakes are good. But they're not nutritious. I want to give my kids something that's nutritious, and that's what God will do. And don't complain about it. Quit whining. But they did, so they complained. And they, uh, God was angry, so their hearts always turn away. That's what complaining to do. When you're dissatisfied with God, you begin to look for other things. When you're not happy with what God is doing, you begin to look for other things. And when you look for other things, it always is going to fail. As Israel did, go read the Bible. They did this and then they would come back crying out to God. Jesus gave a perfect picture of this in in, uh, in the prodigal son story, right? His dad was mean. I want my part of it now. I want to take it and do what I want to do. I want to go live the way I want to live. And so his dad gave it to him. He went off, squandered off, and ended up eating out of a pig trough. And he made the comment. He made the comment. He said, if my dad would just take me back as a servant, I'll, I'm going. If I can just work as a servant. But we know the rest of the story, right? His dad received him back with open arms, killed the fattened calf, and they had a party when he returned to him. Here's something I'm confident of. If you stay with God's plan and God's purpose, though it may not always be easy, it is the best. It is the best. There is no better than what God gives. No better than what He gives. 
<clears throat> so they, you know, God said, they always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them to do. <laughs> if you look at the Bible as a lot of rules, you're probably going to have a hard time following Scripture. If you look at the Bible as God's instruction uh, for His glory and for your betterment, you'll have a lot easier time following what God tells you to do. These guys were not following what God told them to do. So... God, can you imagine, he says, so in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. You want to complain? You want to do it your way? You want to have it your way? God is just gracious enough to give you that. You know, when the Bible describes this place as the flowing with milk and honey, anybody ever had milk and honey? I mean, come on, really? What's not good about milk and honey? And this land was going to be flowing. In other words, you're saying, hey, guys, this land. But but they complaining, the journey. The journey's hard. I want to leave Egypt and go straight to the promised land. God says, no, I need to mold, shape, and train you. We're going on a journey, and it'll be beneficial for you. And if you'll listen to me, if you'll follow my instructions, if you will not whine, not turn from me, it will turn out for you well. If you do not, it's not going to turn out well for you. So he said, they will never, man, th this, this makes chills come up my spine because to hear God say, they will never enter my place of rest. That is a verse to weep over. He goes on to verse 12. Be careful then, dear children. So we're being warned. We're being warned. We're being told to the author of Hebrews, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts, your own hearts, check yourself, evaluate yourself, weigh your thoughts out with Scripture, seek the wisdom of God through the Word of God, evaluate yourself, your own hearts, make sure they are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God you must warn each other every day. We need to encourage and tell each other and build each other up every day while it is still today. Tomorrow, who knows? Maybe too late. So while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin. Sin is a, that's the devil's great um, um, deceiver. He is the great deceiver. Sin, sin looks good. Um I don't know how to explain. Anyway, I, I had a supposedly a brother in Christ tell me, he said, I can't get away from this sin. And, and I'm like, well, well, God's broke the power of it. He's broke the power of it. Uh, so, so what seems to be the deal? And as we talked and as we had conversations, come to find out, he loved that sin more than he loved God. It hurts. We have, right? Let's see a show of hands loud and proud. Who in here has ever loved a sin more than you have loved God? Just me and a few. Okay. So, so the rest of them are lying. So anyway, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, listen, <clears throat> there have been moments in my life that I enjoyed the sin more than communicating and communing with God. And that is exactly what it is. Praise God that he gave us the opportunity of repentance. Amen. God is a gracious God. He's a gracious God to allow us to come and to repent and move on from what's in our life.
<clears throat> so we need to encourage each other every day. It's called accountability. It's called loving each other so that none of us will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Can I use this expression for, for just a little? Uh, I heard one time, this has been many, many years ago, but um, two terms that I, I just cringe at. Uh, there was a lady told me she was spiritually exhausted and she was going to take a break from God. Yeah, you can laugh and cry all at the same time. How sad. So you're spiritually exhausted. I didn't know you could be spiritually exhausted. I know you can be spiritually enlightened, spiritually encouraged, but exhausted, which means you're tired of God. You're spiritually exhausted, so God won't take a break from you. Don't go there. That's dangerous. What's our motto? Love God first, love God most. And I'll promise you, you will never be exhausted spending time with God. Crave and desire what He has. So, for if we are, if we are faithful to the end, Trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Go read the promises of God. We'll share in those things that belong to Christ. Remember what it says, and He's warning us again. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And He goes on in verse 16, and who was it yeah, who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? See, even though they rebelled and they knew, they knew they rebelled and they still, they knew they had seen, they had heard. Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned? Who, whose corpse lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So, see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. <clears throat> In closing, let me say this. We can never live a Christian life without Christ. There's no way. There's no way. I get to talk to people sometimes that says I'm a Christian and what makes you a Christian? Well, I go to church on Sunday. That's not it. Uh, I do good things for people. These are great things. These are great things. I encourage them. Uh, that's not it. And we just go down a list that makes me a Christian. Now, the only thing that will make you a Christian is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what makes us a Christian. I've talked with people who are trying to follow God and said, it's just so difficult. What's your relationship? One of the questions I'll ask is, what, what is your relationship with Christ like? Well, I'm not, I'm not real sure. I said, okay, well, let's just start there. Let's, let's ask another question. What should your relationship with Christ look like? 
Bible tells you what it should look like. Remember, Jesus gave us life. He said, he said, he said, you have to die to self, which means, look, you give up your way of thinking, your way of doing life, your way of, of, of whatever. You give up your way, you take on, only through Christ, you take on Christ's way of doing things. That's the difference. That's the difference. I know that our society today looks looks at, at God as just a big guy with a rule, a bunch of rules and a sledgehammer, and he just wants to beat you down. That is not God. That is not God at all. I believe that the love of God can wash away any sin of any sinner. I believe if you've took if you've been bathed in the blood of Jesus, you clean. You clean. Does it make you perfect this side of eternity? No. You'll still do things, but I'll tell you what, you'll hate it. You'll despise your sin. You'll hate it. I still do. I, I Sometimes I just, um, I don't know, uh, things at work sometimes just make me angry. Anybody? Like, that should never happen, you know? Anybody just let something fall out of the root? You know, it's up here, and it just falls down your tongue and slides off, and then you spend the next 15 minutes repenting. That's kind of my life every day, Okay. Does that mean that Jesus don't love me? No, it means Jesus is cleaning me. He means that it means that He is transforming me. Makes all the difference in the world. Don't harden our hearts. And I'll tell you something: we we got tons of folks uh, in in our nation and across the world today who um, doesn't see God as necessary. That's heartbreaking. That's sad. God is very necessary for life. For life. So my encouragement in closing is this. Stay really close to God through the Scriptures. Stay really close to God through the Scriptures. Stay really close to God through your time in prayer with Him. Anybody in here, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a movie buff, so to speak, but anybody in here ever see the movie Prayer Room? You know, it's real popular, you know. And, and I didn't, a lot of us Hollywood up, okay? So you, you gotta know how to discern. But I'm gonna tell you what, every time that elderly lady went into that closet and began, it just, it just brought tears to my eyes, tears of joy. She went in there and shut the door. Just her and God. Just her and God. And I'm sure there was times of her repenting. There was times of her asking. There was times of, you know, conversation with God that wasn't easy. There was times of joy in conversation with God in that closet. And I believe that every time she did that, she walked out of that closet like superwoman. She was strengthened. She was strengthened. She was encouraged. And I, I know that's a movie. But God tells us to come into a quiet place and talk to Him. Talk to Him. Who can talk to God? If you're human and breathing, go talk to God. Go talk to God. Read His, His Word. Carry that Word into that quiet place. Meditate upon what He's showing you. Listen to what He's saying. Praise God that we have hope.
that we have a faithful high priest. We have a faithful Savior who will never fail us. Don't go out of here and say circumstances are rosy red because they won't be. But he'll carry us through whatever comes. Through every battle, through every mountaintop, he'll carry us through it all. Give him praise and glory. Cling tightly to him. Keep your eyes focused on him and him alone. Amen? Let's close. Father God, you are good. <clears throat> no matter how we may view things, God, you are good. You're better. Good is such a weak word. You're glorious. God, you are majestic. Father, I thank you for the insight of Scripture of, of telling us about Jesus being greater. He's the perfect, perfect high priest. Thank you for enlightening us to that. God, I thank you for the, the, the view and understanding that he is always, God, you're faithful. You're faithful. God, I thank you for the warnings of Scripture. Just as we would warn a young child that a stove is hot, we would warn them, pull them back from it. That's what you do in warning us, as in saying, this is not good for you. This will hurt you. This will bring harm to you. God, you give warnings when you say, don't harden our hearts. Don't sin. You are desiring good for us. And let's be honest, true good only comes from you, Father. It only comes from you. Father, help us to see that. Help us to understand that. Help us to search the Scriptures this week. May you be glorified and honored in the way we walk, in the way we treat others, in the way we respond to others. Help us to love others and care for others. And God, help us to be exactly who you designed us to be. May we be, um, may we be good for the people that you bring in front of us. May we be uh, evidence of one changed by you. May your name be glorified and honored. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for today. We thank you for uh, watching over us this week and protecting us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.